0: Prepare yourself to ingest current events, pop culture, and politics with a side of Latin flair. Vices. I don't
2: have to show you to stinking vices.
0: This is the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network.
3: And welcome one and all, it's Chris Salcedo Show, and I'm happy that you have turned, uh, turned, tuned into the program, and don't turn the dial. I want you to stay right here because we have... Not one, but two United States Senators visiting the program today. And as a matter of fact, our first guest will be up here in mere moments after I tell you how to get in touch with the Chris Salcedo show. By the way, for those of you tuning in for the flip around, and I haven't gotten much feedback from you guys, so I'm assuming you guys like the idea of the flip around. If if it's working for you, drop an email or a, a tweet my way. You can get email to the Chris Salcedo show when you go to the Facebook page. Just go to the Chris Salcedo Show and then you will uh, look for the tab right underneath the, the show banner. It'll say email. You can drop me an email right there. You can go to chrissalcedo.com. You can drop me a note on Twitter at Chris Salcedo, tx at C-H-R-I-S-S-A-L-C-E-D-O-T-X or you just want to pick up the phone and dial. <laughs> I guess you could do it the old-fashioned way and say you like it or you don't. 933 900-3393 We'll get to the flip around after our first uh, first guest. Catching the show live, easy to do, theblaze.com slash radio. You can go to the Blaze Radio smartphone app or the iHeart Radio app. A lot of folks are going the app route to stay connected uh, in, in many applications, and it's one of the best ways to stay in touch with us here on the Blaze Radio Network. SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher for on-demand listening. And also, head to theblaze.com and click on the Channels section. That's theblaze.com Click on the channel section, find the Chris Salcedo Show, and make sure that you follow there. Want to start off today's conversation with the senior senator from the great state of Texas, John Cornyn, the number two man in the United States Senate. Mr. Cornyn, welcome back to the Salcedo Show.
4: Thanks, Chris. Good to be with you.
3: Uh, first off, let me start off on a very positive note. Uh, I think I speak for a lot of conservatives who say we 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 feel represented after the Republicans responded to, I think it's fair to say, uh, years of, of Democrat overreach and stabbing in the back and their activities in the Senate when the Republicans finally said, we're tired of taking this from the Democrats. They went nuclear. We got Judge Gorsuch, a highly qualified, great jurist on the uh, on the High Court, can you speak to that, sir?
4: yeah Chris um, this really was unprecedented, and you're right we didn't have any any option but to uh, change the Senate rules. actually, it restored the the Senate practice before the George W. Bush administration. This whole idea of filibustering judges had been cooked up by Chuck Schumer and a bunch of liberal uh, liberal law professors in the Northeast, to, as a way to deny George W. Bush his judicial nominees. But it's a, it was a great day, and, and Judge Gorsuch will be outstanding. There's a, there's about 120 federal judicial vacancies in the country right now. So President Bush, excuse me, President Trump is going to have a tremendous opportunity to to reshape the entire federal judiciary. So that is a very important consequence of this last election.
3: Indeed. And you know what? Uh, the Democrats, during the Obama era, when they went nuclear first, I might add, they were doing much the same in the lower courts, to the detriment, in my view anyway, of the United States of America. Yeah. Um, l- let's uh, let's move on to some, uh, some international issues, because we have so much to talk about with you in such a short period of time. Uh, today, uh, President Xi, Xi Jinping of China has signaled that uh, as an American strike group, a carrier group, heads towards North Korea right now that they are willing to work with a White House uh, of President Trump to get a peaceful resolution on the on the Korean mm-hmm. Peninsula. What a contrast between the last administration who wouldn 't lift a finger uh, to oppose rogue regimes and bad actors around the globe to this to this president who is uh, taking very decisive action and all of a sudden the despots, the dictators, and the communists start falling in line?
4: Absolutely. I think the uh, President Trump's uh, cabinet, uh, it really is, is outstanding, from General Mattis to Secretary Tillerson, who, as you know, is in Moscow today, uh, to uh, really stand up to the, to the thugs, the dictators, the autocrats around the world who basically play the, the Obama administration, and, you know, the world really wants and needs American leadership. Uh, that is, a, as Ronald Reagan taught all of us, that is a prerequisite to peace, it's strength. And uh, people didn't feel that, nor did they see American leadership under President Obama. So it's been a welcome transformation.
3: Texas Senator John Cornyn with us right now on the Chris Alcedo Show. Let me pivot, if we can, to Syria. And there are some folks who are more libertarian-leaning. And, and the consequence of the last eight years, Senator, is that America has lost faith in our government, in our institutions. That's, in my view, again, a consequence of having probably the most left-wing extremist occupant in the Oval Office that we have ever seen. So I am getting email after email after email folks in in this audience, uh, this Chris Salcedo Show audience across all of our platforms who are saying that they actually believe Bashar al-Assad and they, be, they believe... Uh, Vladimir Putin, that that this was some sort of fabrication, that the actual chemical weapons were used by the Assad regime. Have you seen intelligence briefings, and can you confirm that indeed the Syrian regime did drop chemical weapons on their own people?
4: I have no doubt that that Assad used chemical weapons again on his own people. And of course, you remember three years ago when President Obama drew the so-called red line, which he never enforced, And, you know, for people like Assad and people like Putin, people like the Iranian regime, that's really a provocation, an invitation for them to continue their their ways. And so, yes, I'm absolutely confident that he did. And, you know, I think uh, people need to have their confidence restored in their government and their institutions. And I think the sorts of steps that uh, President Trump is taking will help get us there.
3: Now you guys are on uh, Congress on on Easter break. When you guys get back, it's going to be four days that you guys have to come up with. And, and a, a lot of a lot of conservatives are going to are going to recoil at hearing this word, Senator, omnibus spending package. <laughs> I, I think I know what's happening here because this is a this is a holdover from the Obama the Obama era that's going to get us all the way through September. So I have two questions. Number one, will the omnibus bill address? Any reduction in spending at all, to your knowledge? And then, will we have an actual budget for
4: 2017-2018? Well, first, insofar as this uh, spending bill, the current con- continuing resolution expires April the 28th. And it will the new bill will be subject to the spending cap set under the 2011 Budget Control Act, which has basically kept uh, kept discretionary spending relatively flat. The problem is, as we've been discussing, the world has gotten even more dangerous, and we need to start rebuilding our military. But I think what you'll see is this will be consistent with those spending caps established in 2011. There will be some moving around, some money, hopefully get get a plus up for the military. Um, But in terms of the budget, yeah, we, we have to pass another budget. Uh, for 2018, it's important to, in order to do tax reform that we get the tools we need, the procedural tools we need, which only come with passing a budget. So uh, we'll be doing that um, shortly after we get back.
3: Yeah, and not to mention getting Obamacare taken care of, and then of course the, the the rewriting of that onerous and punishing tax code. That's, in my view anyway, unbefitting the American people. Uh, let's uh, let's pivot if we can to uh, a funding uh, a funding debate in in whatever whether it's omnibus whether it's an actual budget. There there is. Talk now that the, that the Republicans may deny this president funding for the border wall. What do you know about that? And is it something that you support or do you favor giving uh, President Trump funding for the border wall?
4: I certainly support uh, whatever we need in order to secure the border. And I think it's some combination. I'm heading to Laredo and, and McAllen uh, this afternoon. And in talking to Chief Padilla in the Rio Grande Valley sector, he said what we need is a combination of infrastructure, uh, that's fencing, walls, whatever. We need technology and we need personnel. Uh, I've been working with a number of my colleagues to come up with a comprehensive border security plan and working with the Department of Homeland Security. is something I hope we'll get this overall plan in place so that we don't have to, when it comes up to funding, say, well, what is, what exactly are we funding? And uh, what's the overall strategy? So, yes, we're going to be addressing that as part of this uh, part of this appropriation process and beyond.
3: Yeah, your former colleague, uh, the Attorney General uh, Sessions, says that uh, a barrier system, a wall, is what he called a force multiplier. It, it aids uh, the mission of the Border Patrol, which has been, a, which was abandoned the last eight years, uh, to actually stop illegal entry. Do you, do you agree that uh, a wall, a barrier system is a force multiplier?
4: I do. In some places, although not every place along our 2,000-mile border with Mexico, there are some places where it really it's so remote, for example, the uh, Big Bend area where you have 3,500 cliffs where you really don't need a physical infrastructure, but you still need the uh, border patrol, the personnel in order to police the area, and you need the technology, the ground sensors, the overhead, the radar in order to detect people and then to deter them. We've already seen just the threat of greater enforcement uh, bringing down uh, illegal immigration along the southwestern border. Yep, and, of right. course, then they are bro- broke, broken cut countries like Central America, where really are the main source of people coming up these days. But uh, one thing President Obama did right was to reverse the so-called wet foot, dry foot policy for Cubans, Uh, coming across and so a number of them have been returned back to their country as well so we've got a lot to do but we've got a president who has the political will to actually get it done
3: all right a texas senator john cornyn folks i want to let you know too that he is the first texas lawmaker to have his website also translated into spanish i was notified by his staff today texas senator john cornyn the number two guy in the united states senate sir always a pleasure talking with you come back again soon
4: thanks chris 888-933-9393 888-900-3393 888
3: 933 3393 We'll get your reaction to what uh, Mr. Cornyn actually said and some other news and don't forget folks coming up later this uh, later in the show, top of next hour, Texas Senator Ted Cruz joins the Chris Salcedo Show. Be right back on The Blaze.
0: Conservative talk. It's spicy! This is The Chris Salcedo Show only on The Blaze Radio Network.
6: Chris Salcedo
3: show. I was gonna say this until after the flip around, but since since I heard the, the promo for Patton and Stu and Jeffy, they're having fun. We, we put together a little something too about the United Airlines debacle. It it is just that is it is a public relations disaster of of epic proportions. So we got to thinking that you know that this this could be. In more ways than one, a boon to other airlines because of the, of the way this was all handled. Now, the dirty little secret is, folks, is that you can get booted off of any flight, of any, of any plane for whatever reason. However, I, don't, I think that other companies just tend to manage their, their flights a little better to where they're not constantly kicking people off of their planes to, to use their planes as taxi services for their employees. At least you don't hear that very much about uh, other airlines like, like Southwest. But, you know, Southwest, you know, what, what is their moniker? I think, I think Southwest should, in, in the competitive spirit, take advantage of this massive debacle by United Airlines, basically pointing out, and, I, I, and don't, don't think, folks, that there won't be some lawmaker looking to score some points if this continues to be an unmitigated disaster as it is, to, to basically demand that every airline in big, bold letters say, we reserve the right to kick you off your flight anytime. <laughs> they don't advertise that. It's all in the fine print right now. But I, I think that we need to be reminded these, these are private companies, and especially United, they could, they could just boot you off. And if, if they need your seat, they're going to boot you off. And my understanding is that there's a limit to what they can offer you as far as compensation. I, I, I'm not sure why that is. If it's a law or a regulation or what have you. Anyway, how could this, how could this be of benefit to, say, Southwest Airlines? Well, you know Southwest has that ad campaign of theirs. And and this is just a suggestion from the Salcedo show to Southwest Airlines, maybe your next your next commercial sounds something like this:
1: All good relationships are built on trust. We know that, and we know that we have to earn yours every day on every flight.
6: Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! No! My God!
4: My God! What
3: are you doing?
4: This is wrong.
3: Oh, my God. Look at what you did to them. We're, we're not, not going to put a law enforcement official to take them off. The a
0: aircraft. law enforcement official will never come on one of your planes again. To
3: remove a booked, paid seating pas- seating passenger,
6: we can't do that. Want to get away? Now you can with Southwest Ferris as low as $59 one way. <laughs> yes to low Ferris with nothing to hide. That's transparency.
3: <laughs> so... The United CEO wants to get away. (laughs) He needs, he better fly Southwest because his butt will be kicked off and dragged off his own airline. (laughs) It, it it deserves mockery. It really does. This this has gotten so out of control. And how many bites at the apple has the CEO (laughs) been given to make things right? First, he starts tarring and feathering the, the passenger and then Then after he does that, then the photos of this guy getting roughed up, his mouth all bloody starts coming out. Oh, yeah, great timing. Finally, gets around to, what, day three, day four, and he's, I'm really sorry about this. This should never happen, never happen again. That should have been your lead, buddy. (laughs) That should have been your lead. And, oh, yeah, an email came out. A leaked email of this CEO backing up his employees saying, hey, we stand behind you 100%. (laughs) We stand behind what you did. One hundred percent. You know what? <laughs> Ellie, how much time have we go to break here? About what? two minutes, three minutes? What do we got? About three. OK, I, I'm not going to be able to do a credible flip around uh, in the time allotted. So I, let me just give you an observation as I was waiting to come back from break. Uh, and then we'll do the flip around after the bottom of the hour swing here. I was watching CNN, the leader of the basket of bias. And CNN, we have an exclusive report that Donald Trump was wrong about Barack Obama administration surveilling him. That Nunez was wrong and Trump was wrong. This is CNN, right? A leader of the basket of bias. When you look over at Fox, (laughs) FBI obtained secret court order to surveil Carter Page, a Trump, admit, a Trump advisor. You know where they got that from? The Washington Post. So while CNN is jumping out there saying, it's, it's all a fabrication, top secret uh, documents say that Nunez was wrong and Trump was wrong because we hate Nunez and we hate Trump and we think that Trump colluded with Russia. And all of a sudden you got Fox. You've got even even the left wing Washington Post, which is you know kind of like the stopwatch, stopwatch. It's right twice a day. <laughs> the headline: FBI obtained FISA warrant to monitor Trump advisor Carter Page. <laughs> hey CNN, hello. <laughs> they, they they are a joke. Over at CNN, um, they're bias clouds everything they do their bias taints their news coverage cnn is tainted news coverage because it's not news coverage it's biased left wing anti trump anti republican coverage dependable anti trump anti republican coverage from the washington post article the fbi obtained a secret court or secret court order last summer to monitor communications of an advisor to president presidential candidate, Donald Trump, part of an investigation into possible links between Russia and the campaign law enforcement and other U S officials said the FBI and justice department obtained the warrants targeting Carter pages communications after convincing a foreign intelligence surveillance court judge that there was probable cause to believe that page was acting as an agent of a foreign power in this case, Russia of course, it was all fabricated. It was all President Obama and Susan Rice lying to the FISA court judge. Perhaps, if we if we can uncover the FISA warrant, we can find out if there were any lies perpetrated by the Obama administration to this judge. What, what is the judge? This is this is interesting. What if the judge finds out he was lied to by Team Obama in in their uh, seeking a warrant? What kind of consequences could be for the Obama who sought the warrant to begin with? Just asking, just asking. A CNN, you might want to read up a little bit on <laughs> what is really going on instead of your delusions of grandeur trying to go after Donald Trump and Nunes.
0: The Chris Salcedo show will be right back. The Blaze Radio Network.
7: Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network.
3: Coming up top of next hour, Senator Ted Cruz joins the Chris Salcedo Show. Let's do the flip around, folks. I know it's a little late, later than usual. We will start out with uh, MSNBS today, as is Fox and some others are in commercial break right now. And by the time we get done with MSNBS, they should be back into programming. Here we go
6: right and says after uh, after three statements he's basically now taking full responsibility he says he's gonna he's saying the event was horrific he's working on making it right he's going to fix things what now he does this interview with gma what's happening today
0: well, not much more. I mean, in insofar as this has already been wildly mishandled. And, you know, most uh, CEOs look to a couple of prior uh, experiences that uh, tainted or at least threatened to taint the reputation of big companies. The Tylenol scale scare in the early 1980s with Johnson & Johnson needles and PepsiCo cans in the early 1990s. Both those were handled quite well. This is That's, a, a really- uh,
3: that's Ron and Sana. I've always liked Ron. Uh, one, one of the throwbacks, actual journalists who still remain over at the NBC properties. So yeah, they're talking about the United CEO and this ham-handed debacle of his. You know, it, it was interesting about this guy is that he was brought in uh, to turn things around as CEO and, and, and up until this point had been lauded as doing so. He focused on restoring credibility with his employees and that was going to translate into um, more credibility with the customers and by before this, it was was starting to work, but uh, not now. Let's go over to uh, CNN, see what they're talking about.
0: Right. So it's not maybe, that's not the ninth inning. Nope. Uh, Adding to that, Sarah Murray over at the White House has this reporting. A source familiar with the situation says Trump made his Bannon comments to the New York Post because Trump was irked by suggestions that he is implementing implementing Bannon's agenda. Trump believes he has spent decades standing for the populist ideals and that he deserves credit for the policies he's put forward. He deserves the credit.
1: Well, yeah. I mean,
3: you've seen SNL, Um, you know, the the Bannon treatment is is this idea that,
1: that Steve Bannon is Pulling the strings, and, and Trump is sort of a, a puppet. I can't blame him for being irked by that. Uh, but we've
0: heard similar things like this from Trump before about Paul Manafort. Well, he wasn't really that involved in my campaign. Well, actually, he ran it for some time. Carter um, Page, at some point, I think they said he didn't even know him.
1: Right, except we all remember when he
0: announced him as, as a new uh, advisor.
3: Se Cup, uh, former blazer there, talking with... Uh CNN, talking about this alleged dust-up, this uh, bit of palace intrigue, if you will, going on inside of the Trump administration as to will Bannon stay or will Bannon go. Uh, uh, It seems that Bannon and Jared Kushner, the president's son-in-law, are at loggerheads. So uh, we'll see where this goes. This kind of stuff, to me, just seems so... The personality-driven stuff. It just... If it's affecting policy, it's one thing. But everything that I see coming out of the White House right now, with the exception of uh, some lessons learned that could have been learned a lot earlier or should have been known about the health care repeal of of Obamacare debacle. I mean, I kind of like what I'm seeing so far from this White House, in particular, as I was talking with John Cornyn. You know, here we have one of his first strong, decisive actions, the the hit against Syria for the use of chemical weapons and now you've got a carrier group heading over to North Korea and all of a sudden here comes president Xi Jinping, "Hey, you know what? We want to talk about peace." We want to talk about peace. <laughs> nothing nothing makes communists want to talk about peace than a carrier group and unknown told nuclear missiles beneath the surface. And <laughs> in, in uh submarines United States submarines let's go over to Fox see what they're talking about
1: it's on AP if you have an AP app on your phone it's there now we're also linking to it on foxnews.com Chad as always thanks President Trump meeting with the NATO Secretary General uh, at the White House right now and to say this get-together is important would be an understatement and a large one the big focus today of course is Russia including its support of the murderous Syrian dictator Bashar al-Assad Russia and Syria have denied any role in the recent chemical attacks that killed dozens, including women and children, and on this matter, they are telling a bold face, clear, demonstrable lie
3: okay that that's that and I address this with uh with Senator Cornyn as well, this whole idea that you know and I, I folks I'm getting calls and I'm getting emails from a lot of black helicopter folks who say that well, if you read this blog and you read that blog, this is all uh you know. Tail wagging the dog stuff—that uh, Bashar al-Assad—it made no sense. It made no sense for him to bomb chemi- with chemical weapons his own people because he'd already won. It's like, wait a minute, why is it so hard for some some folks out there in our country to say he's a dictator? He just quelled with Russian help uh, an insurgency inside of his own country and he wants to dissuade anybody else who has any idea of rising against him that it would be foolish to do so. So what do you do? You gas him. Fear, intimidation, coercion. I went round and round with a guy yesterday on a later version of the Chris Salcedo show and he was insistent that this was all a fabrication. I'm with Shep Smith on this one. This is, I mean, there are, there are several Uh, folks out there corroborating that that chemical weapons were used. As a matter of fact, the only folks who are saying that they weren't are Russia and Bashar al-Assad. And for the life of me, I can't figure out why folks are are believing a dictator and Vladimir Putin. Well, one of the same. Two dictators, Vladimir Putin and Bashar al-Assad. Now, about the NATO Secretary General, this uh, Shep was right about this. This is going to be important because NATO has has traditionally been a hedge against back then a Soviet expansion, and today could be a hedge against Russian expansion. We all know we all know Putin's agenda. We all know his ends. He wants to rebuild Mother Russia. He wants to rebuild great days of Soviet Union, one chunk at a time, and whether they want to or not. Baltic states are very nervous right now, and you know there was a i can 't remember where I read this, but some of these countries that that border russia, the former Eastern Bloc countries they, are, they they are flourishing some of them are are models of democracy, some of them are models of technology I think was it Estonia? I remember reading about that a lot of uh, uh, a healthy economy lots of of technological advancement going on so i stopping uh comrade Vlad and his and his aspirations i think are are, are putting them in check basically saying hey man can't do it sorry nato says no (laughs) nato says no nato says sphincter says what nato says no (laughs) so that's it, it is important, and because and another reason why I think this is important is to reaffirm U.S. commitment to NATO because Donald Trump made some missteps on the campaign trail. We all remember them about the importance of NATO. And some of it, a lot of it was funding in origin, and I, I think there's something to that, that these NATO countries have got to start putting in a little bit more of a commitment, whether it be troops, whether it be money, and I think the message is well sent. But, you know, just a little bit of goodwill from those countries went a long way. And they're all very happy to see the turnaround here in the United States. Okay, I've got the two, the two business channels to go to. Let me just, because this actually helps me segue, let me go to CNBC.
5: I express the view that the current state of U.S.-Russia relations is at a low point. There is a low level of trust between our two countries. The world's two foremost nuclear powers cannot have this kind of relationship.
0: As they sat there, they disagreed about the future of the
3: leader of Syria, Bashar al-Assad. Tillerson repeated that the future of Syria is without Assad. Lavrov said, well, if Assad goes, then who replaces him? Scolded the U.S. about Libya and Iraq. The two didn't even agree that a chemical weapons attack from last week, which
0: started this whole crisis, even occurred.
3: Yeah. Okay. Well. Uh, I'm, oh, let's listen to Sergei, hold on. That
0: would support the statement, the allegation that chemical agents were used at all the... Pers-
3: <laughs> yeah, okay, uh, Sergei Lavrov, of course, is a, he's Russian, man, he's not going to tell the truth, not going to tell the truth, uh, because they have an agenda, and the truth hurts their agenda, so they're not going to, they're not going to tell it, and we've not received the truth from, um, from Vladimir Putin for a good many years here in the United States. Uh you heard Rex Tillerson there basically you know I heard who was this? Uh I think it was Crowdhammer last night on Fox uh, this idea that we need to tell the Russians that their friendship with Assad is not in their best interests. <laughs> I kind of agree with with Crowdhammer that that that's stupid. Don't sit there and say Gee, th- that that reminds me of professor professor resident obama no 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 clerk. all uh, international norms you're not behaving in international norms and uh that's not that's not that's not good you're going to marginalize yourself putin was getting anything every anything and everything he wanted he uh he had obama just completely made irrelevant well so long story short just deal with us just deal. you know what the united states finds Bashar al-Assad, unacceptable. Now, Sergei Lavrov did have a point, and we made it earlier, about who you're going to put in place. Who you, now, if, if this country does go for regime change, again, which I'm not suggesting we do, not recommending we do, but if we do do that, then we ought to have ironclad commitments from our allies in the region. I'm talking about Saudi Arabia. I'm talking about Jordan, I'm talking about Egypt, Turkey if they can get back into get back into the family as it were, and they should be the ones to occupy Syria. They should be the ones to find a, an acceptable western friendly leader that would, and again, uh, that would pivot away this Alawite regime that's in there right now, away from its alliances with Russia and into a into an alliance with the United States. And uh But again, we don't do that, boots on the ground. We don't do, you know, we might do some air support and some logistics support, but this is is their neighborhood. And where, I mean, supporting regime change is great, but you want to support regime change and make sure that the regime you get in is superior to the one you don't have or the, the one you have right now. And we brought up these examples yesterday from when liberals tried their hand At This garbage it never and I want to stress the word never worked out well did it Iran with Jimmy Carter. We got the uh, jihadis in charge Libya with Obama and Clinton. Guess what we got the jihadis in charge Egypt for a time when Obama supported the overthrow of Hosni Mubarak. Guess what we got the radicalized terrorists in there. The last thing we want to do is turn over these countries to radicalized radicalized Islamic fundamentalist terrorists. So, Mr. Tillerson and Ambassador Haley, just have a look at history. Don't listen to John McCain. Don't listen to Lindsey Graham. And make sure those nations on the ground are doing the heavy lifting. Oh, look at the time. Be right back, folks. Salcedo Show here on The Blaze.
1: Keep up with The Chris Salcedo Show on Facebook and on Twitter at Chris TX. Just another way to stay in touch with Chris on The Blaze Radio Network.
0: The Chris Salcedo Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network.
3: Ellie and I were just talking about the United Airlines thing, and um, Ellie, you brought up a good question. I, th- I thought it was—you know—you're you're like, how can how can this ever be good? I mean, how could you not like while you're in the act of dragging these people, uh, this person, I should say, off the airline? I mean, why didn't a red flag go off? That's what you were saying, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, and then what? What about? What about that woman who was who was going, "Oh my god! Oh, yeah. why do you why do you? Oh my god, don't you oh stop!" It was screaming in it, the background. Exactly. Exactly. Was shouldn't that have thrown up a red flag? I mean, how do you feel about flying if, if you're going to fly United, would you fly United at this point? Um, probably not. Probably not. I'm I'm with you. I'm with you because first off, I don't I'm not enamored with this whole idea i I mean i kind of knew it intuitively that that they're a private uh a private company and they can boot me off anytime they want to but it's bad business to do that but my understanding is this whole bump and i don't fly a lot and that's probably the reason why this whole bumping thing happens all the time and people just accept it and but this guy didn't so and have we not figured out as a society yet that every single place we go, there is a camera and a dang and a darn good camera and microphone on, on virtually every smartphone. Right. I mean, this is, and then, so you're strong arming this guy. He's screaming bloody murder. And I heard a discussion today that the guy shouldn't have resisted. He shouldn't have resisted. Well, okay. Uh, but he needed, he needed to get home. What do you do? They would, they were not going to fly him out until the next day. And he had commitments. Oh, well, that's the, that's the perilous journey you're on when you book a flight with United. If you have commitments, don't rely on United. That's exactly the message that's being sent, right? If you can be booted off any flipping flight because they need to use their flight as a, as a taxi service, the 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 I don't know cautionary tale is right there for you. Don't fl- if you have some place that you absolutely positively have to be, don't fly United. And um, look, Southwest, if, take my suggestion. Take the screaming, take the CEO of United, and make uh, uh, one of your commercials. Wouldn't you like to get away? <laughs> That would be brilliant just make sure i i had the idea
6: the chris salcedo show part of generation blaze only on the blaze radio network
0: prepare yourself to ingest current events pop culture and politics with a side of latin flair
2: I, just, I don't have to show you how to
0: This is the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network.
3: All right, to breaking news right now on the Chris Salcedo Show, the President of the United States, Donald Trump, making comments after his meeting with the head of NATO. Let's listen
2: in. From 12 to 28. On Monday, I signed the protocol to approve the 29th, the country of Montenegro. In the coming months and years, I'll work closely with all of our NATO allies to enhance this partnership and to adapt to the challenges of the future, of which there will be many. This includes upgrading NATO to focus on today's most pressing security and all of its challenges, including migration and terrorism. We must also work together to resolve the disaster currently taking place in Syria. We are grateful for the support of NATO members and partners in their condemnation of Assad's murderous attack using the most horrible weapons, the vicious slaughter of innocent civilians with chemical weapons, including the barbaric killing of small and helpless children and babies, must be forcefully rejected by any nation that values human life. It is time to end this brutal civil war, defeat terrorists, and allow refugees to return home. In facing our common challenges, we must also ensure that NATO members meet their financial obligations and pay what they owe. Many have not been doing that. The secretary general and I agree that other member nations must satisfy their responsibility to contribute 2% of GDP to defense. If other countries pay their fair share instead of relying on the United States to make up the difference, we will all be much more secure and our partnership will be made that much stronger. The secretary general and I had a productive discussion about what more NATO can do in the fight against terrorism. I complained about that a long time ago, and they made a change. And now they do fight terrorism. I said it was obsolete. It's no longer obsolete. It's my hope that NATO will take on an increased role in supporting our Iraqi partners in their battle against ISIS. I'm also sending General McMaster to Afghanistan to find out how we can make progress alongside our Afghan partners and NATO allies. Every generation has strived to adopt the NATO alliance to meet the challenges of their times. And on my visit to Brussels this spring, which I look very much forward to, we will work together to do the same. We must not be trapped by the tired thinking that so many have but apply new solutions to face new circumstances. And that's all throughout the world. We're not here to stand on ceremony, but to develop real strategies to achieve safety, security, and peace. We're here to protect the freedom and prosperity of our citizens and to give them the future they so richly deserve. Secretary General, I'm honored to have you here today. And to reaffirm our commitment to this alliance and to the enduring values that we proudly, and I mean very proudly, share. Thank you very much. Thank you for being here.
3: President of the United Thank States, uh, so talking uh, to the Secretary General of NATO. And basically, you guys heard all the themes that we had just talked about uh, before, we, uh, uh, before we got into the break about, about NATO and its importance. Actually, during the flip around, NATO, its importance. How Trump had uh, done some missteps, but also uh, insisted that they pay and they upgrade, they fight terrorism, which is, again, all of these themes he didn't go back on, and it looks like NATO and and some of the member countries are starting to to step up. And as much as I despise the term fair share because it was so misapplied during the Obama administration, here I think it was applicable. Two percent of GDP was supposed to be dedicated to their NATO obligations, and a lot of countries we're shirking on that responsibility because the United States was such an economic powerhouse. But uh, looks like that's changing. And also, <laughs> did you guys catch the part where the president was saying, yeah, well, you know what, now they're not obsolete anymore, <laughs> all because of me. Um, that was interesting. Uh, telephone numbers, 888 three ninety three eight 888 Some more breaking news. Uh, Charlie Murphy has passed away. You guys remember? Uh, do you know who Charlie Murphy is? Ellie, do you know? Eddie Murphy's brother. No, no. <laughs> is he? Is he Eddie Murphy's brother? That's I That's what know somebody
6: that. told me in the studio.
3: Oh, really? I, I'm. Well, I he he. Well, I actually kind of. Res- now that I think about it, he does kind of resemble. But he was he was on the Chappelle show. He was a favorite of the. Chappelle. Well, he's passed away. Age fifty seven. Good grief! Uh, I'm not sure what's up with that, but that's. That's just breaking here over the last couple of minutes. Uh, I, I'm not going to spend much time on this because we got to get to Senator Cruz coming up next. But I will say this about Sean Spicer and, and this gaffe of his. And it was a gaffe. At least he was a man about it and said, "You know what? I said something stupid. It was dumb. And you know what? I shouldn't have said it. Should, you should. A lesson to all conservatives: don't don't invoke Hitler. You can't get away with it. Only the libs can." OK, but as as the country wants to, you know, Nancy Pelosi calling for his resignation, you know, the guy, the guy misspeaks uh, talking off the cuff about the Holocaust, which is never a good idea. And he owned it. Um, and the, 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 the basket of bias press had a field day. Oddly enough, I didn't hear any of the basket of bias talking about a liberal making a gaffe yesterday.
6: You have just heard from President Mullen that in answer to the question, do you think elected officials should pursue personal friendships with members of other parties? I would answer that question with a resounding yes. I thought back to the 1993 confirmation of my nomination to the court. The hearing was altogether civil. The vote was 96 to 3. For Justice Scalia, the vote was unanimous. Let's hope members of Congress the members that Allegheny College has already honored, Vice President Joe Biden and Senator John McCain, the women of the Senate, Senators Dianne Feinstein and Lindsey Graham.
3: (laughs) The women of the Senate, Dianne Feinstein and Lindsey Graham. (laughs) That's uh, justice, folks, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg making a gaffe of her own yesterday. Didn't get a lot of coverage. Uh, Back in a minute, folks. It's the Chris Salcedo Show here on The Blaze.
1: Hell, storms are coming.
0: It's not just a show. It's a a force of nature. Hashtag Salcedo Storm. The Chris Salcedo Show on The Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to the Latino conservative, Chris Salcedo, on the Blaze Radio Network.
6: The women of the Senate, Senators Diane Feinstein and Lindsey Graham.
3: <laughs> That's Justice Ginsburg.
6: This woman is in charge of deciding constitutionality,
3: and she thinks that uh, Lindsey Graham is a woman. Welcome back, everybody. It's, it's the Chris Salcedo Show. I want to welcome our next guest, Texas Senator Ted Cruz. Welcome back to the Chris Salcedo Show.
7: Chris good morning, good to be with you
3: uh, let let 's start off on the High Court. shall we? I know that you you were the one ringing the bell uh, pretty loudly about all of the treachery the Democrats have been have been dishing out over these over these years. They were always the ones pushing the envelope, and it always seemed to be the Republicans just saying, "No, no, no, we have to be statesman like we have to uh, to exercise decorum. And finally, I think it reached critical mass. And a lot of we conservatives finally felt represented when the Democrats got a taste of their own medicine with uh, the the breaking of the filibuster and the nuclear option and putting Gorsuch on the court. What say you?
7: Well, last week was a big, big deal. Uh, It was a major victory. It was a major victory for President Trump. It was a major victory for conservatives. And it was a major victory for the American people. Um, it, It was February of last year when Justice Scalia passed. And and Justice Scalia had been a lion of the law, a a truly legendary justice. And at the time, the Republican majority made clear that we were not going to fill the vacancy in the middle of a presidential election. Rather, we were gonna let the people decide the direction of the court. And and the two candidates promised very different directions for the court. Uh, this, This was the most transparent Supreme Court justice selection process in history. Uh, President Trump promised to nominate a justice in the mold of Justice Scalia. He put out a specific list of 21 individuals from whom he would nominate. So the voters had the list of exactly the 21 who would be considered. Neil Gorsuch was one of those 21. On the other hand, Hillary Clinton promised to nominate liberal judicial activists who would vote to undermine our free speech rights, undermine our religious liberty, undermine our Second Amendment rights, and... This election, in a very real sense, was a referendum on the direction of the Supreme Court. And and the people of Texas and and the people of the country overwhelmingly chose a principled originalist on the court who will protect the Constitution and Bill of Rights. Last week, we confirmed Judge Gorsuch, and that's a great victory for all of us who cherish and revere the rule of law.
3: Now, uh, uh, this is something I would favor when your political opposition shoots themselves in the foot, as I believe the Democrats did in filibustering. I think it's, it's incumbent on the other party to take full advantage of it. Would you recommend, if, if, if you have the president's ear on this, uh, the, the, the next vacancy on the court be filled with a, another strict constructionalist, somebody who is uh, somebody who's a, a, a rock-ribbed conservative uh, jurist in the, in, the, uh, in the vein of a Justice Scalia and, and because the Democrats now at this point have nothing to say about it.
7: Uh, a- absolutely. Uh, and, and I think we're likely to see another vacancy potentially as soon as this summer. I think we'll see a vacancy either this summer or next summer. And, you know, on one level, the, the, the Gorsuch seat w- was simply playing defense. We're not going to get a justice who's better than Justice Scalia. He was as good as it gets. And and so nominating Justice Gorsuch, we could now hope, is, is maintaining the status quo, keeping a strong conservative in that seat. The next vacancy, the odds are significant. It, it would change the balance on the court and, and have the potential for a significantly more conservative court. And, and if that's the case, we can fully anticipate that the Democrats will treat it like Armageddon. They will fire every weapon they have. And, and I think it is critical that, that President Trump keep his promise. When he, made, when he made that promise, it wasn't just the Scalia seat. He said that every one of us Supreme Court justices would be in the mold of Justice Scalia. I, I expect him to keep that promise. All of us do, and, and I'm certainly going to work closely with the president and the administration to help them honor that promise for every vacancy that occurs.
3: Texas Senator Ted Cruz, our guest right now on the Chris Salcedo Show, uh, you have been referred to, sir, in uh, the last twelve to, to sixteen hours as one of the conservative big guns, and I think we 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 concede that, <laughs> and and know that you are uh, one of the uh, one of the standard bearers of, of Reagan esque conservatism in this country. You were called to duty, if you will, up in the Kansas Fourth uh, with a the the election to replace Mike Pompe- Pompeo, who is now. A CIA director, and it was right. closer than many political observers had thought. And reading the tea leaves in the country, and I think you've already made allusion to this that that the country was so tired of the extremist left wing progressive tilt that we had taken the last eight years under Obama. They're very impatient to get back to being America again, and that the the, the foot dragging on the repeal of Obamacare and 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 budget concerns and all of this and tax reform. The perception is that there maybe is a little steam being lost and and do you think that's why Kansas's fourth was a little more competitive than conservatives would like?
0: Well, look,
7: I I I think the election was certainly a, a warning sign and and the reason I went up this week, went up on Monday uh to campaign there is is that we had a vacant congressional seat and and the numbers it was looking close, it was looking like there was a chance that, 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 that a Democrat could win, and, and an additional Democrat in the House makes it m- much harder to repeal Obamacare, to have to pass tax reforms, to, to lessen the burdens of Washington on small businesses and job creators. And so I flew up to Wichita and, and, and campaigned with Ron Estes, who was the candidate there, and tried to energize and, and, and turn out voters to come out and vote yesterday. And, you know, I think part of the reason for caution, and we saw this play out, is on the left, the, the radical left, is, is filled with fury right now. Uh, I, I mean, they're, they're blind with rage. Uh, as a result, they're energized. They will crawl over broken glass. Uh, and, and we knew they would show up, and they did show up. Uh, on the right, one of the dangers, particularly in a special election, I mean, you know, an election, April 11th, you know, most normal people aren't paying attention to politics that closely. You know, they're, they're going to work and going to school and raising their kids. And the danger was that many good conservative Kansans just wouldn't, wouldn't pay much attention to the election and wouldn't show up. And, and so I wanted to do everything I could to help turnout. But Chris, you right. raised the important point. If we want to win elections, whether these special elections for congressional seats or the elections coming up in November 2018, the way to do it is deliver on our promises. And, and, and that is what I am urging every day President Trump and leaders in both houses, we've got to do what we said we would do. The voters have given us something rare and historic, control of the White House, every executive agency in both houses of Congress. We don't have any excuses. And and so I am rolling up my sleeves and working night and day trying to bring Republicans together so that we can finally repeal the disaster that is Obamacare, so that we can do major tax reform, ideally a flat tax, and abolish the IRS. We can do an enormous amount of good if we come together and focus on common principles. And, and that's what I'm trying to do.
3: Let me ask you to look into your crystal ball then. Uh, Texas Senator Ted Cruz, our guest right now. If those big issues, you, you talked about tax reform, you talked about Obamacare. And I, I talked about earlier this morning uh, the, 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 the funding of the wall. There's, there, there is something going on in the ether that certain Republicans are are seeking to deny Donald Trump funding for the for the border wall and securing that southern border. If if the Republican Party doesn't deliver on that, will that also be one of these uh, issues that would threaten the Republican majority?
7: Now look, of course, we need to deliver on that. And, and my message to my colleagues is very simple. Let's do what we said we would do. Let's behave in April the same way we said we would behave in November. Uh, That disconnect is why people are so furious with Washington, so frustrated with Washington, as we keep electing people who say one thing on the campaign trail and then behave differently in Washington. And and, and this is a moment in time where we are poised for this to be one of the most productive Congresses in history. Uh, Let's take Obamacare, for example. Uh, Obamacare, uh, obviously, the the effort to repeal it hit, hit, hit a rocky patch. Uh, The House bill that was introduced was pulled down from the floor because it didn't have the votes. Now, I I would urge a a, a bit of perspective on this, that it took Obama 14 months to pass Obamacare. The House bill was on the House floor for a total of 18 days. (laughs) You can't pass major legislation impacting one-fifth of the economy in 18 days, and it was a mistake to try to jam it through and just, just bludgeon the opposition into submission. I think what we need to do is come together and not only repeal Obamacare, but we need to get it right. We need to fix the problem. And, Chris, the test for success will be whether or not we lower health insurance premiums. The biggest reason people hate Obamacare is millions of Texans are hurting under Obamacare because it has made our premiums skyrocket. If we succeed, we will lower premiums. My biggest concern with the House bill that was introduced, it didn't do enough to lower premiums. But we can get that right, and I believe failure is not an option. I hope and believe we'll get there.
3: I've got about 30 seconds, Senator. Um, I just wanted to quickly address there is a uh, carrier group heading toward North Korea right now, a show of strength that we didn't see in the uh, Obama era. And all of a sudden, President Xi Jinping says, hey, we're committed to peace. Uh, Isn't this uh, a confirmation, if you will, of the axiom peace through strength?
7: Well, it certainly may be. North Korea is probably the most dangerous place on Earth right now. You've got an extremely unstable dictator, Kim Jong-un, with an arsenal of nuclear weapons. So so we need to proceed cautiously. But if China is actually acting to rein in North Korea, that is a very good development. And you're right. I, I think dictators and bullies and tyrants respect strength and not weakness. Obama was weak, and that's why the bad guys on the Earth ran all over him.
3: Yep. Texas Senator Ted Cruz, sir. It's always an honor to speak with you, sir. Come back soon.
7: Chris, thank you, my friend. And let me encourage your listeners, always come to tedcruz.org, tedcruz.org, tedcruz.org.
3: Very well. We got that in there, folks. The requisite three-time mention. Be right back. 888-900-3393.
6: The Chris Salcedo Show.
3: On
1: the Blaze Radio Network.
6: NATO show conservative
3: talk radio with spice moments ago from the president of the United States, as he was wrapping up a press conference with the NATO secretary general,
2: get rid of most of those problems and there won't be fear of anybody. That's the way it should be. We have a very big problem in North Korea. And as I said, uh, I really think that China is going to try very hard and has already started. A lot of the coal boats have already been turned back. You saw that yesterday and today they've been turned back. The vast amount of coal that comes out of North Korea going to China, they've turned back the boats. That's a big step, and there have many other steps that I know about. So we'll see what happens. It may be effective, it may not be effective. It's not effective. Uh, we will be effective, I can promise you that.
3: <laughs> well, uh, the audio, well look, China's doing stuff. Uh, we, we brought this up. Wow, that this is kind of weird. Hold on a second.
4: That today he said he no longer thinks it's obsolete. Didn't really provide a whole lot of uh, of insights as to why that attitude has changed. Although you you know Jake and I know that a lot of foreign policy uh, you know s- smart minds out there have impressed upon this president that no, you can't abandon the NATO alliance. Not after. De- <laughs> yeah,
3: because he's not smart. Oh, that's that's CNN's coverage, folks. The reason I was the reason I was doing a double take, is that the way the shot was framed with Mr. Acosta there on CNN, there was another reporter, I mean, standing almost shoulder to shoulder with the guy. And she was talking, I guess, allegedly into another camera. (laughs) And it looked like she was looking right at the CNN camera. It was like two people speaking at the same time. All I saw was their lips moving. And I'm thinking to myself, what is that all about? So all you could hear was Jim Acosta. But that's, that's why I wanted to dip in and see what was going on there. Uh, Back to the president's comments. China's moving. China's... China, recognizing that there is an American carrier group steaming toward their region. The last thing they want. And I'm sure that Mr. Trump said, look, I know the last thing that you want there is an American presence. So you're going to have to show us something. But we're going to be... This this guy is firing off missiles that potentially could reach the West Coast of the United States. He is a threat to us and we're going to take care of him if you don't. So we're going to have a carrier group there ready to strike at him if he decides he wants to get squirrely. In the meantime, do everything you can to make us go home faster. Do everything you can to make sure the United States goes home. So, anyway. There's also... Uh, I'm seeing this, I've never, I haven't been able to catch it yet, folks, but apparently there was in the United Nations today, I'm hoping to get sound for this for later in the week, I, um, I might as well tell you guys now, I have a, I have an urgent matter that I have to attend to tomorrow, so we'll have a best of show on, but uh, there, I've been, apparently there was a dust up at the United Nations today between the Brits and the Russians, and this is, this is back to Cold War stuff. And, um they got into a little bit of a spat right there in the United nations security Council <laughs> it was uh I, I keep on missing it so i um i'm I'm hoping I can find that a little bit later on the day, but at any rate, um so I, this is this is the way I think this is all playing out, and the reason why I think uh the president's decision to strike syria, the timing having the president of China, Xi Jinping, on American soil was, was so crucial because now the use of force is credible once again in the United States. It wasn't when President when Obama was up there, it was never credible. He, everybody knew he wasn't going to lift a finger to defend this nation, defend our allies. For eight years, he made every excuse not to do that. Mr. Trump says, well... Uh, sorry, there are certain international norms that must be adhered to. Barack Obama would just lecture. You know, if we could force Kim Jong-un to listen to Obama lecture him for a day or two, nonstop, that might beat him into submission because if anybody is forced to listen to President Obama's tones for so many, <laughs> so many days, so many hours, that would be, that'd be enough to beat anybody into submission. But when it came, as a practical matter, the credible use of force provided by the United States military has been a deterrent to thugs, despots, dictators, and communists for many a decade um, something that uh, the former occupant of the Oval Office didn't have a firm grasp of or didn't believe in, which was glowingly apparent triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three eight 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 nine zero zero three three nine three so things could be changing there as As China does something. Senators McCain and Graham calling for greater military action in Syria. (laughs) So what? So what? Um, There doesn't need to be greater military action in Syria from the United States. We need to have perhaps greater military action from, as I mentioned earlier, our Middle Eastern partners. Their troops they're occupying armies, and our logistic support and full throated support. But uh, this this is this one. If you're going to replace Bashar al-Assad, he'd better be he'd better be replaced by somebody from Jordan, or somebody that Jordan approves of, or somebody that Egypt approves of, or Saudi Arabia. And don't and folks, don't forget the geopolitical strategy here. This would be a tremendous blow to Russia. This would be a tremendous blow to Iran. To take out Bashar al-Assad and replace it with can you guys imagine a Sunni Sunni leadership? Oh, talk about. It. I mean, Russia has appreciated having, having the the Alawite regime there. And that's with whom they've been dealing. It's why they it's you know there, there is a strategic, Strategic value to being there, and also an economic value for Russia. But I don't know if it's worth all of this. But maybe Putin feels it's it is. Well, regardless of what I think about it, but uh, Putin obviously thinks it is. So uh, we will see that situation. I, I would urge the president to resist any calls from John McCain or Lindsey Graham to expand America's presence inside of Syria. Uh, We need to be an organizing force so that Saudi Arabia increases its presence in Syria, so that Jordan increases its presence in Syria, so that Egypt and perhaps the Turks increase their presence inside of Syria. And we can be there for moral and air support and logistic support. And uh, maybe some support troops to help coordinate things and run things. But um, no no boots on the ground for combat because we can't be the face of this thing. We can't be the face of this thing. If we want a lasting peace. If we want something that's real. To replace Bashar al-Assad. Uh, Trump was talking to Fox Business on China yesterday and this is this was yesterday. Uh, it was pre-recorded with Maria Bartiromo and uh, played today. Here's here's uh, what the president had to say about
2: China. What are we doing right now in terms of North Korea? You never know, do you? You never know. That's all you're going to say. You know, say. I don't talk about the military. Yes. We are sending an armada. Very powerful. We have submarines. Very powerful. Far more powerful than the aircraft carrier. That I can tell you. And we have... The best military people on earth, and I will say this he is doing the wrong thing. Do you think he's mentally fit? I don't know, I don't know, I don't know him, uh, but he's doing the wrong thing.
3: I misspoke. I uh, instead of China, well, for all intents and purposes, it is China, but <laughs> he's talking about North Korea and the dictator Kim Jong un. So, while all this is going on, um. Trump also pivoted back to to Syria. And what's going on with Bashar al-Assad?
2: Frankly, Putin is backing a person that's truly an evil person. And I think it's very bad for Russia. I think it's very bad for mankind. It's very bad for this world. But when you drop gas or bombs or barrel bombs, they have these massive barrels with dynamite and they drop them right in the middle of a group of people, and in all fairness, you see the same kids—no arms, no legs, no face. This is an animal.
3: Yeah, he's talking about Assad. It's—it's it's true. Now, we mentioned this earlier. I—we shouldn't be lecturing Russia what's in their best interest. I don't care what's in Russia's best interest. I mean, that would be the message out: Putin, I don't care what your best interests are, unless you want to work with us. If you want to work with us, then we'll talk. But at this point, the United States' best interest and freedom-loving people all over the world. Our best interest is to make sure that savages, animals, as Mr. Mister Trump put it, the president put it, don't have these types of weapons of war and that they are punished when they use them. Now, all this is going on. Secretary Tillerson is meeting in Russia and uh, Mr. Tillerson came out of his meeting with Sergei Lavrov and Vlad today and, and had this to say.
5: We just came from a productive meeting as you heard Foreign Minister Lavrov uh, mention, of about two hours with President Putin. We frankly discussed the current state of U.S.-Russia relations. I expressed the view that the current state of U.S.-Russia relations is at a low point. There is a low level of trust between our two countries. The world's two foremost nuclear powers cannot have this kind of relationship.
3: Well, yes we can. <laughs> and we've had this now, a far worse relationship in years past. Remember, Mister Tillerson, there was a a thing called the Soviet Union, and we uh, the situation has been far worse than this in history. Now, I'm not I'm not saying it's a good thing. I'm just saying let's just remember the perspective here. Uh, once Vladimir Putin is gone out of the leadership of Russia, there might be a chance for these for these rifts to heal. I, I don't think it can happen while he's there. Because he has such animus and hatred toward the West, uh, well, he's a former KGB guy, and they, they lost, and he he harbors all of these animosities toward us. And, and frankly, I'm not really fond of him either, to be honest. I came up in the in the Reagan era. Um, I oh, where is that soundbite? Hold on. Where? Let me let me finish out uh, Tillerson, then I'll find that soundbite. Hold on.
5: We further discussed approaches to improving our channels of communication. We had a lengthy exchange of views regarding the situation in Syria and shared perspectives on possible ways forward. Earlier today, Foreign Minister Lavrov and I had a lengthy conversation about issues that require immediate attention and issues that require longer-term attention.
3: Yeah. Uh, I I can't find that soundbite. There there was a Star Trek (laughs) soundbite that I was looking for. But long story short, you know, unless Vladimir Putin wants to work In a cooperative manner with the united states and recognize our priorities as well as his own and figure out a compromise i'm not interested in working with him uh uh, start phrasing our our foreign policies this is the right thing to do and this is how america will act if if russia wants to come along fine if they don't then um tough we're going to act because vladimir putin acts that way now folks vladimir putin says i don't care whether what i'm doing meets international norms like Barack Obama com- constantly complained about like a little girl. Oh, look at Russia behaving on the internet. They're isolating themselves. Who cares? Operate in your country's best interests until you get a willing partner over there. And then when they come crying to you saying you're hurting my best interest, well, you want to talk about it? Let's talk about it. 888 933 900 3393 It's the Salcedo Show. I'll be right back.
6: This
0: is the Chris Salcedo Show.
6: Only on the Blaze Radio Network.
5: Chris Salcedo.
3: All right, welcome back, everybody. Uh, in, the, in the time we have left today for our visit, I, let me just ask this question. Maybe you guys can answer on Twitter and uh, on email. If you want to go email, go Facebook, the Chris Salcedo Show. Twitter at Chris Salcedo TX. There is a story that's running on the Blaze right now. Uh, report: Twenty First Century Fox CEO James Murdoch wants O'Reilly off the air for good. Uh, there is um, there are other publications out there who are theorizing that uh, that Bill O'Reilly's unscheduled or, or rather sudden vacation we should say uh, t- he took vacation yesterday <laughs> uh it's it's odd to take a vacation you know starting Wednesday of a week i mean i'm not saying it's without precedent i'm just saying it's unusual and many are theorizing that Bill O'Reilly will not be back now it bears pointing out that Advertisers for the O'Reilly Factor are fleeing like crazy, um, but his nu- his ratings are going through the roof, and this is all this is all resulting from this this revelation, this hit piece that was put out on him about all of the sexual harassment lawsuits that he had settled. Was there five, something like that, and uh. Now, now it seems that that the long knives are out over at Fox with the sons of Mr. Murdoch who are now in charge, uh, who are decidedly left wing. Um, so that's what's happening now. I'm not, I'm not saying that there that there is a purge of conservatism over there. and That's what's behind this. But uh, there are folks who are over at at Fox, and don't forget why how uh roger ailes was ushered out of there because of a of a sexual harassment scandal too and there's another lawsuit filed against him so i mean the question is do you think that bill o'reilly is done at the fox news channel right? or, or is this just a lot of wishful thinking from folks on the left remember everybody a society's worth isn't measured by how much power is seized by its government but rather, how much power is reserved for we the people. Have yourselves a great day, folks. I'll see you back here for the Friday show on the Blaze Radio Network.
0: You're listening to The Chris Salcedo Show.
6: Part of Generation Blaze
0: on the Blaze Radio Network.